John, thank you so much for that, uh, those beautiful pictures. Seeing that elderly woman baptized was a, a great example of the first century church in the book of Acts, right? She believed, she was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she got baptized. And it's nothing more complicated than that, brothers and sisters. It's, and uh, we also sang a beautiful song that, that Natalie uh, chose this morning, The Potter's Hand. And, and at the end of, um, of my message this morning, I'd like us to sing it again. Because the chorus says, take me, mold me, use me, and fill me. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. And so I just want us to be encouraged with that this morning. You know, as I was preparing to speak on this passage, I've had this recurring thought of, what am I filling myself with during the day? You know, our time, our hearts, our minds are constantly filled by something. But the filling I want to speak about this morning, only God can provide through His Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is probably the least spoken of and most misunderstood person of the Trinity. And yet it's the same Spirit that was present on the day of Pentecost that transformed the lives like Peter and John. And today God has provided His Spirit to each believer to boldly proclaim what He wants to accomplish. And so I've titled my message, Living the Spirit-Filled Life. And this morning's passage is part two of the miraculous healing of the lame beggar in Acts chapter 3. Today we get to explore how Peter and John were used by God to boldly proclaim the gospel without fear because of the Holy Spirit's filling them. And so I have no slides today because you can see what happens when we have slides. IT, you got to love it. Uh, so I want us to open our Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 4, verse 1 to 31. All right, if you don't have one, there's a pew Bible there in front of you. And so we'll read all 31 verses together. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them, in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, 
By him, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may be spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. When they, re when they were released... They went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of your father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Let's pray. Father, what an amazing story that we could hear of how you use simple, common people, God, to do extra, extraordinary tasks. God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that is alive and well this day. And I pray that even now in this moment we would be filled with your Spirit, God, even to receive this word that you've placed on my heart. And so, God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to believe in faith the comforter and the counselor who is with us each day of our lives. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
And so for those of you who were with us last Sunday, Brent Greiner shared about the healing of the lame beggar in Acts chapter 3. And Peter preached a message of repentance to the people. And now, the beginning of chapter 4, the priests and the Sadducees had heard enough and placed Peter and John under arrest and thrown them into custody. These religious leaders called the council were essentially composed of family members of the high priest. The Jewish religious system had become so corrupt that the offices were passed from one relative to another. The Sanhedrin council was the same council that just a few months before had condemned Jesus to die. Historically, this council was charged with the responsibility of protecting the Jewish faith. And in the Mosaic law described in Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 13, it speaks of worthless fellows that had gone out among the people and had drawn them away from the inhabitants of the city, saying, let us go and serve other gods. And it was the council's responsibility to inquire and make search and ask diligently if these men were false prophets who should be silenced. And Peter and John were those perceived worthless fellows that the council were greatly annoyed with. Why? They were teaching and preaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead because of the Holy Spirit that filled them. And so this morning, I'd like to share with us four truths of a Spirit-filled life and then conclude with how I can live a Spirit-filled life myself. It's not a mystery. And my prayer is that this message today would be an encouragement for us to seek the Spirit's continual filling and that our hearts will flow rivers of living water because of the Helper, Comforter, and Counselor, our Holy Spirit that lives in us. And so firstly, brothers and sisters, when I live a Spirit-filled life, there will be persecution in my stand for righteousness and proclamation of the truth. There will be persecution in my stand for righteousness and proclamation of the truth. Verse 2 says, the religious leaders were greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Because of the stand they took to proclaim the gospel, they were arrested. Were Peter and John surprised at their arrest? Probably not. Jesus told them that it would happen. Listen to Christ's words to his disciples in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16 to 20. Matthew chapter 10, verse 16 to 20 says, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. 
For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. In this portion of Scripture from the Gospel of Matthew, Christ revealed the characteristics of innocence and wisdom his followers would require as they went out to preach the word in the midst of wolves. And what kind of wolves do we face today? Well, just as the council was hostile to Peter and John, the political world system, the wolves as I like to call them, is hostile to Christ and his followers today. Think of the persecution Christians are facing because of the exclusivity of the gospel message in our so-called inclusive society. Foundational Christian beliefs such as marriage between a man and a woman, gender, the right to life for the unborn baby, and biblical sexuality are all constantly under attack, to name a few. Governments and global elitists are asserting themselves as the creator and are seeking total worship for the further control of society to follow one way of thinking and living. Governments are literally paving the way for Antichrist's rule. So what triggers persecution, brothers and sisters? It's godly living that does. Living the exact opposite of the current world system. John chapter 15, verse 18 says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. Who wants to be hated here? Right? My flesh naturally wants to be loved, not hated. But the world is hostile to Christ and to his followers who proclaim the exclusivity of the gospel. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Because of Peter and John's faithful witness and proclamation, verse 4 says that many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. The incredible growth here of the church in these first few chapters of Acts, from 120 in the upper room, then 3,000 in chapter 2, verse 41, and now 5,000, would have well been in excess of 10,000 people all in response to the powerful preaching of the gospel message as the Spirit gave them power to do so. And when I am obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit in my proclamation of truth, God uses me as a vessel for honorable use, ready for every good work. And the church's mandate has always been to proclaim the gospel. The world must first hear and then confess Christ as Lord to believe. And who does he use? Spirit-filled Christians, as sa- spirit-filled Christians who's, who have accepted Christ as Savior. God commands his followers to be faithful, to speak truth, and faith comes from hearing the word of Christ. I'm thankful for the gift of salvation. Secondly, when I live a spirit-filled life, I speak with authority through the saving power of Jesus' name. I speak with authority 
through the saving power of Jesus' name. Verses 8 to 12, Peter says, He was was filled with the Holy Spirit. What a few months, what a difference a few months make in the life of this man, right? This is no longer fisherman Peter that denied Christ. No, this is a man who now spoke with authority to the religious, educated elite. Peter and John, as scripture says, were uneducated and, and common. And in their own strength and knowledge, they were simple-minded men who could never debate this group. But through the Holy Spirit's filling and guidance, Peter proclaimed with confidence that the lame beggar had been healed. He'd been made whole, not by the name of Peter or John, but through the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Peter declared, you crucified this man, you rejected him, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. What courage! Could you just imagine the expression on the council's faces, perhaps with clenched teeth in anger? Peter is declaring Christ as the stone, the stone that they have rejected, who has now become the cornerstone. Christ has become a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to them. Peter later writes about that in his epistle, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7 and 8, which he quoted from the prophetic words of Isaiah chapter 8, verse 14. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is not only the stone, but he's also the Savior. The word healed from Acts chapter 4, verse 9, or the word made whole from the King James Version is a translation of the same Greek word that is translated saved in verse 12. Salvation means wholeness and spiritual health. Jesus is our great physician who alone can heal Humanity's greatest sickness, the sickness of sin. Jesus said to the scribes and the Pharisees in Mark chapter 2, verse 17, as he was eating with tax collectors and sinners, what did he say? Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And if I'm a follower of Christ today, I have been given authority to proclaim words of hope to a lost and dying world. And if you don't know him today, you can be made whole by faith in his name. There is salvation in no one else. No political leader, no religious guru, no social media influencer. Just the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. It's important to note that even though the council had witnessed the miracle of this lame beggar, their response of unbelief is proof that witnessing miracles alone can never convict, convert, or convince an unbeliever. It's only because of the transformational power of the Word of God that we can believe with joy through faith the miracle of salvation of our souls. Thirdly, when I live a spirit-filled life, I'm obedient to God 
despite the threats. I'm obedient to God despite the threats. Peter proclaims in verses 19 to 20, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Members of the council, we won't be silenced, is basically what they proclaimed. These rulers wanted to shut them up with threats. And Satan has been trying to silence the church from the very beginning with lies and deceit. But God hasn't left us powerless and alone. Jesus said to his followers in Acts, as we've read earlier in his book, chapter 1, verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Brothers and sisters, this world has tried to silence Christians, but we've been called to be his witness and his ambassador for Christ in this hostile world. Peter proclaimed in his first epistle, chapter 3, verses 14 to 17, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who should ask you for the reason, for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. When Jesus is Lord of my life, each crisis becomes an opportunity for witness. And lately, there's no shortage of crises in the world, right? Am I ready and able to give an answer? You know, our English word apology comes from the Greek word translated answer. But it doesn't mean to say, I am sorry. You know, as Canadians... We're very apologetic, right? There's an internet meme out there that says, you're not a true Canadian until you've apologized for saying sorry too much. (laughs) Who knows what I'm talking about, right? Sorry, where was I? Anyway, (laughs) I thought that was funny. (laughs) But the apology here, our answer rather means a defense presented in court. And it's where we get our word apologetics which is a branch of theology that deals with the defense of the faith. You know, I might not stand before a political leader or an authoritative figure to provide a defense for my faith, but I do have the same Holy Spirit living in me who is ready to fill me. So my opportunities in defense might be to a a neighbor, a co-worker, or a friend at school. Sometimes that defense will just be a few words with someone you'll meet just once in your life and never again. Other times it will be extended conversations over a period of time. And in these encounters, 
Ask the Holy Spirit for guidance and grace. Lastly, when I live a Spirit-filled life, there is unity among believers and power in our prayers. There is unity among believers and power in our prayers. What did Peter and John do when they went to their friends in verses 23 to 31? Were the disciples fearful, just like they were on that first day of the week when Jesus appeared to them after his resurrection? You recall in John's Gospel, chapter 20, verse 19, it says the doors were locked for fear of the Jews. No, it was a transformed group of followers this time. Their prayer wasn't, Oh God, keep us safe from all these threats. Oh God, please change our circumstances. We need an escape. No, Scripture says because the Holy Spirit that was filling them, they lifted their voices together to God in prayer. They prayed that God would empower them. They exclaimed, look upon their threats and grant to your servant, your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. The church called on his name. God, you take care of doing the saving and allowing miracles to heal. And we'll continue to be obedient servants, proclaiming the hope that we have in Christ. And it was a unified prayer meeting as they lifted their voices together in one accord. For true believers, with, with persecution comes a desire to seek God, right? Psalm 119, verse 77 says, My suffering was good for me, for it taught me to pay attention to your word. Brothers and sisters, if I never experienced persecution in my life, my faith would never be tested. But the letter of James says in chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, that we're to count it all joy, but that's what we need to do when we meet trials. Because our faith, when it is tested, produces endurance. And when endurance has had its full effect, you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Brothers and sisters, division in the church always hinders prayers to God and robs the church of spiritual power and unity. In essence, without the Spirit's unifying power, we become spiritually impotent and ineffective for the kingdom of God. And my prayer today for our church, for RBC, is that there would be no division among us. Perhaps it is a past offense or bitterness I pray that we would be united in the same mind. And if I need to make things right with someone today, don't delay. Extend forgiveness. Let's seek unity with each other. Back in our text, Scripture says, After that unifying prayer, the place shook, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit who gave them power to continue to speak the word of God with boldness. Just like our bodies require food each day for strength, we need to be filled daily with the power of the Holy Spirit to be effective 
for the kingdom of God. So how can I live a spirit-filled life? Well, if I'm a born-again believer today, the Holy Spirit is dwelling in me. Right? We know that and believe that in faith. The Apostle Paul declared in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, that you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. And so this morning, I must ask myself, have I accepted the exclusive gospel message that salvation is a gift from God through faith alone, not because of anything good I've accomplished, but only through the death and resurrection of Christ, whose blood was spilt on the cross for my sin. If I have the Holy Spirit living in me, am I continually allowing him to fill me? In his book entitled, The Keys to Spiritual Growth, John MacArthur provides some practical truth for living the spiritual life. And I've paraphrased a few thoughts here for us this morning. It's a continual process and simply a matter of decisions. When I get up in the morning, I decide what I'm going to wear. Next, I, I decide what I'm going to eat for breakfast. And so it goes throughout the day, one decision after another. The Spirit-filled life is yielding every decision to the control of the Spirit. Will I allow my eyes to view that video? Will I contribute and spread gossip I hear over the phone? And when Satan or his demons come around to tempt me, I can declare, Holy Spirit, I know you are in me. Empower me in this moment. Rebuke Satan and his powers. Lord, I'm being tempted and I need your strength right now. Being spirit-filled also gives me practical help in making decisions. Lord, I don't know which direction to go. I have two choices. Show me the right path that your spirit would guide me according to your word. How many have prayed a prayer like that? Another way I could demonstrate the Spirit's leading is in my gratitude. Colossians chapter 3 verse 15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Gratitude fills my soul with the sunshine of God. It's evident on our faces, right? Ingratitude keeps the soul's Windows darkened, shutting out the light of God, turning life into a dreary fog. Being spirit-led also comes with spiritual maturity. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 says, Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. Paul could only feed them the milk of the word, the basic truths because their carnality had stunted their growth. They lacked the spiritual teeth necessary to chew solid food. And so growth can only occur when we allow the Spirit to control us. In conclusion, brothers and sisters, it is God that has provided us 
with his Holy Spirit. Jesus spoke to his followers and asked them the question, do you love me? Do I love Christ today? Keep and obey his commandments. His Holy Spirit has been given to believers as a spirit of truth who will be with us forever. Ask God to fill you with his spirit even now in this moment. Don't quench him. Hold fast to what is good. Vices can be broken through the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you're struggling with addictions that make you miserable to live with, ask the Comforter to fill you with a thirst for Christ and for others. Reject and abstain from evil. Saturate and fill your heart and mind with the Word. And if I'm filled with fear and dread, allow His Spirit to fill me with peace and hope. Allow Him to do the cleaning of my heart, my home, and my family. Listen to Christ's words from John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Amen. I pray you were blessed and we always, I always try to uh, leave us with a thought to ponder. And so I just want to pray that, you know, if you're not sure where you stand with Christ today, it's a simple act of faith. There's no magic prayer that you say, <laughs> that you repeat after me. You may be not sure of what to say and someone could help you and guide you. Perhaps you're not sure about the Holy Spirit's work in your life. And so I pray in faith that you would ask him to fill you as you read scripture to help you understand what it has to say. When you encounter other people and you speak to them for the first time, ask his Holy Spirit to fill you in that moment, to give you the words to say. Sometimes, you know, we could be lying in bed or at home and, and a person's name or comes to mind. Don't shrug it off. The Holy Spirit has put that person's name into your mind. Pray for that person in that moment. You don't know what they could be going through. And so I just want us to be sensitive today of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, in our church, and how he can use us to boldly proclaim the gospel, just like he used two simple men like Peter and John. And so I pray this word this morning was an encouragement to you. Let's stand, and I'd like us to sing again that song, The Potter's Hand, and think about and allow him to take us and mold us and use us and fill us. Amen? Amen. And then after we sing, I'll close in prayer.
beautiful Lord, wonderful Savior, I know for sure, all of my days are held in your hand, crafted into your Gently call me into your presence and guide me by your Holy Spirit. Teach me, dear Lord, to live all my life through your eyes. I'm captured by. God, with the hope that we have of eternal life, God, I pray that that hope would bubble out of us, God, like a river overflowing, and that we would want to share it, God, with those around us. We would do it in a loving way. And so we pray, God, that you would find us opportunities, Lord, to be obedient to your Holy Spirit, Lord, to pray even for each other, to make peace with each other, God, to be united as a church, I pray. We thank you for this example that we have from your word in the book of Acts. God, how you use simple men, God, simple believers that trusted in you, that believed and proclaimed the gospel, Lord, you use them, why not us? And so, God, we believe this in faith today. You would go before us and we would have the peace of Christ in our hearts by your Holy Spirit. And we thank you for all this. And everyone.